when you heat plastic, you actually release estrogens from that plastic into the food and surrounding area. So we don't want to use plastics typically for most of that stuff for cooking because you're releasing endocrine disruptors, things that mess with the hormones, testosterone, estrogen, progesterone, DHEA, and along with thyroid hormone too, you mess with those and you mess up the cavalcade of hormones that balance in the body itself. You're listening to Muscle Medicine, where we debunk the myths in the health and wellness world to bring you the latest updates in exercise, rehab, and nutrition from industry leaders. Join your host, Dr. Emily Kyburn, chiropractor and movement expert, as she brings you simple, actionable tips to reach your fullest potential. All right. Today, we have Dr. Jerry Bailey on Muscle Medicine Podcast. I'm super excited to have you on. Woo! Woo! You are a fellow chiropractor, so near and dear to my heart. You've taken your practice to the next level with acupuncture and functional medicine. You're also a fellow Michigander. That's right. I've seen your Instagram lifts, your barbell lifts <laughs> are sick. It's like, it makes my heart all warm and fuzzy <laughs> watching those. Those are my light days. <laughs> <laughs> and you also have a podcast, yep. Guy Show, because you're do. the guy's guy. Uh, some some days. <laughs> <laughs> you really focus on men's health. Let's just dive right in and okay. break down your background. Just I just want a little bit about like your practice because I feel like we live slightly parallel lives, except I'm on one coast and you're on the other. Right, right, right. Wow. Yeah. So my practice itself is varied. I treat men and women and kids and brand new babies, even onto the elderly. My oldest patient I had uh, a month or so ago was 94 years old, who was near in perfect health and came in because she thought she was had a bunch wrong. And we sat down and I'm like, you're rocking and rolling. Just stop drinking and sure. And you'll be a lot better. How <laughs> um, <laughs> like it is. <laughs> yeah. And so it, it varies my day to day. I do a lot of hormone care for women and men, figuring out what's going on with their hormones, using specific testing for that, incorporating chiropractic within that scenario and acupuncture. Because the, the fun thing that a lot of people don't realize is when we're adjusting the spinal segments or, or any joint for that matter, but mostly spinal segments, we're actually affecting acupuncture points in the body too. So we're greatly affecting not only the nervous system itself and the innate intelligence of the body to heal itself, but we're also stimulating acupuncture points to also heal the body too. And so a lot of people don't realize that even within chiropractic, they don't realize that aspect of it. So my, my practice varies. It depends what's walking through the door. I kind of consider myself the primary care of alternative medicine because I always joke with my patients that uh, you're allowed three things wrong with you. That's it. If you have anything more than that, we take you out back. And then <laughs> we can't fix you, we take you out back too. Uh, realizing I'm in Idaho, so that's the running joke here is, you know, if we can't fix, if, if something's wrong, we just take you out back. <laughs> so do you find that, because I'm sure there was a shift in your practice at some point where functional medicine played a bigger part, mm -hmm. that if you only had focused on the physical aspect, so like the adjustments, soft tissue work, rehab, and you didn't focus on the functional medicine piece, that people weren't getting better? To, or maybe they were only getting better to a certain degree. Yeah, the, the latter of those two was really, it was like we just would get to a point that 80, 90% better and they were just sticking. And it was like, what am I missing here? And so that's when I brought in the acupuncture. My wife's an acupuncturist. And so I went back and got my acupuncture certification too. And it was just an amazing tool to add on that we just 
picked up that last 10 to 20% that they were stuck on on majority of times just to get them through because manipulation, final adjusting, uh, joint adjusting is really great. And it's a hugely powerful tool to help heal the body and get the body to heal itself. Just sometimes, you know, just like anything, it's, it's not perfect for what needs to happen and you just need that extra little tool in there. And that's what I found with acupuncture and with the functional medicine too, correcting their diet was so powerful for them to heal and, and really get the body to heal itself. Do you have like a favorite case that you have in mind of a transformation of one of your patients? Oh man, how many? I mean, there's so many there. I mean, there's just so <laughs> many. I can't choose one. <laughs> I just can't choose one. What is that one? You know, seeing those patients that have been through everything. Like I had this patient, this new patient yesterday and it wasn't a chiropractic patient strictly. It was really like she came in, she had all these digestive things and hormone imbalances, thyroid imbalances, all this stuff going on. And she already had probably $6,000 worth of testing done above and beyond. That's it? That's it. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> and so she's like, here's my, he's like, you want to see it? I'm like, yeah. So we went through it and everything she had done, she's like, everybody's told me everything I've done is right. I said, you've done everything right. You've just done it in the wrong order. And so we sat down and went through, I'm like, here's what we need to attack with her. She had major, major GI stuff. She already had all the stool testing, all the organic acids testing done. She had the hormone testing done. So really, it was a really straightforward case for me to go slap it on the board, lay it out and go, here's where we need to attack and do this stuff. She had done some, some GI detox and GI cleaning through there, which we call the weed seed and feed process of cleaning the GI system out. But she never really did a full clean out, so to say. And so she would kind of get better, like, oh, okay, I can go out in there. Practitioner would go, well, you can go off now because you're better. And it would come right back. Instead of hitting it harder, hitting it longer to clean out all of her microbial, she had a bunch of dysbiosis uh, within her GI tract that just was causing the problem, all of her problems globally. And so we're, we were just starting to hit that. And so that one in particular is one that I see every time is those clients that come in They've had a lot done either from medicine itself or from the functional medicine, chiropractic, acupuncture, naturopathic world, and they just haven't had it laid out in a pattern for them to really hit it correctly. Well, maybe they needed someone to kind of like piece it together. Yeah, that's a lot what it is, is, is what's fun, I think, and I call it fun, about how I practice is I have all those tools. And so I can really go, okay, is this a chiropractic case? Is this an acupuncture case? Is this a functional medicine case? Or does this require all three in those scenarios or two or what needs to happen there? And so patients love it because they don't have to come see me. I adjust them. Now I'll go see the acupuncturist. Now I'll go see the naturopath or functional medicine provider is we can hit it all in one shot for them and really lay out a great plan to, to help them get better. Yeah. It's amazing. You have all those skills. I feel like for example, I refer to an acupuncturist and then a functional medicine doc, but the communication that has to happen for everyone to be on the same page mm -hmm. is tremendous. It is, it is a lot of time. And so for you to have all those skills is Idaho's lucky. What can we say? <laughs> you know, it's, it's, a, it's a blessing and a curse, so to say, because then it is, is like when you can't, when you get them to a point, you're not sure where to go, it becomes, okay, what tool do I need to add to my repertoire now? And, or shall I refer that out? But yeah. I mean, luckily, I've built good relationships with the docs in our local area and even around the country to be able to go, you know what, we need to get you to this person because we're at a point where it's beyond what I can do or I'm comfortable doing. Yeah. In that example, can you give us just like a little glimpse of what cleaning out the gut meant for sure. This, sure, sure. this case? Yeah. 
in this patient's case in particular, which is kind of what we see a lot of times when there's a lot of GI issues going on, constipation, diarrhea, gas, bloating, food sensitivities, those type things, is there's an infection in the GI system itself. And it can be bacterial, it can be viral, it can be parasite, it can be worm, it can be yeast or fungi, it can also be virus within there too. Um, did I say worm? Because it can be worms too. And, and so we can see, yeah, and we've <laughs> actually seen that. Um, um, people who have you know, animals in the house that aren't dewormed properly, that they can get those same worms in their body. Kind of scary. Or, or third world travel. Or third world travel also. So yeah. we see, we, we would do some stool testing in particular. There's a couple of really good ones. We use the GI map in particular. We like that one. And there's also the GI effects from Genova is another good one also uh, that really tests broad spectrum to find out what's growing in there. What's nice about it, it's a PCR test that looks for DNA of the microbes of the microbial milieu that's there versus having to do a standard stool test, which is trying to grow something that's alive. Because if it gets to that end point in the shoot, <laughs> the tail end. Yeah, once it gets there and out, if that microbe dies, you can't really grow a live, a dead microbe. So, you know, that's what's nice about this is the PCR testing looks for DNA and then can quantify within the stool how much is there based on that DNA. Yeah. Most people don't think of those things. Mm -hmm. And I think most people just accept that when they eat and they bloat or that constipation and diarrhea is like a normal everyday thing when it's not. Right. Yeah. So you have the top seven things guys <laughs> should do every day. Yeah, like as their baseline. Just about every day when we get to one, we'll talk just about Just about, that. yeah, just about every day. Different people have different routines in terms of eating and working out and supplements. And this just really creates a clear picture and a vision for yourself if you aren't doing that and just really a baseline. I think everyone needs baselines to create yeah. good habits. Yeah. So can we bring them down one by one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's let's rock these. So this is particular to guys. I know we kind of we're kind of shifting a little bit here. We're talking about general health here, but we'll shift to guys since guys were a bit dim most of the time. I'm one. I can say it. Um, <laughs> and we don't. We do. <laughs> we're stubborn. Stubborn, stubborn, dim. However you want to place it. Uh, I'll accept that role as the dim, stubborn person within the room. So there's seven things that guys can really hit. The number one overall is, you know, Emily, as you know, is we really can't fix anybody unless they fix their diet. We can't out-supplement, we can now out-drug, out-surgery, out-inject, out-anything, a bad diet. And so eating food, real food, is really essential in that thing. Don't eat things made in a factory. I always say if it comes in a box bag or a can or made by man, probably don't touch it. Uh, that's essential. So we want whole foods, uh, preferred organic if possible, grass-fed meats and good fats is essential within there. Those are really key things to look at there. Primarily, your plate should be vegetables, a good amount of meat, and then a bit of fat and some and some fruit within there too. That's what we should be eating every day uh, for each meal, you know, kind of that dinner for breakfast scenario versus cereal or grains with milk and that process. Uh, we should try to avoid those as best as possible. And we can go down that little grain aisle way if you want to a little bit and talk about that. Yeah, I'd love to do that because I think there's myths of like what's healthy grains, no grains, gluten-free grains. Are those okay? So what would you recommend? You know, it's user-based essentially, but really across the board is when we look at somebody's diet is we want to say how much wheat or grain are they getting in their diet itself? What are they eating daily? And we don't know. And it's really coming out now. And I've said it for probably six, seven years now, and it's finally coming out. Other people are saying it are getting on board with it is we have a dichotomy there is we know from research that whole grain, wheat, whole grain is actually better for us than simple white flour. 
I don't argue with that point. Of course it is. You go from a white flour to a whole grain, it's much better for you at that point. However, what we've seen is now that whole grain has become a majority of the diet for the average American, whether it's in the form of cereal, breads, pastas, pizzas, pizza rolls, you know, all the stuff that's on TV is all grain based. So we're developing sensitivities to that grain. Yes, from the proteins in it, but a sidebar is, is from glyphosate is that roundup that's sprayed with on there. We're thinking, and we're, we're kind of getting a grasp that that might be more of an issue than the actual proteins within the wheat itself. Cause I have patients that are able to go to Europe for a couple months a year. Lucky people. They can eat whatever they want. They can eat the pizza over there, they can eat the bread over there, they can eat the pastas over there with no issues whatsoever. But as soon as they come back, they can't touch a single thing here. So we always say, let's stay away from those packaged foods, those, those wheat, those grain producing type foods. You can try quinoa, you can try millet, those are pretty good. When we go to the gluten-free products, you really have to be careful because most of them are tapioca or potato starch based, even rice based now, and those can still be causing reactions in people um, because they're just simple, they break down simple sugars just like a white bread does. Okay. Good to know. I'm a big gluten-free lover. And sometimes I have to remind myself, don't pound the gluten-free stuff. Just yeah. eat the real food. Yeah. Just because yeah. it's organic and natural in the store, in a box, doesn't mean it's actually better for you in any way than the actual, you know, the gluten-free uh, Oreos may not be any much different <laughs> than the regular Oreos in those matters. I think it's tricky too. Advertising this day, like I just saw a picture and it was like, Lucky Charms is gluten-free. Oh. And I was like, no way. Come on, guys. Yeah. Cheerios <laughs> is gluten-free. It's like, no, 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 no. You're still producing a factory that has gluten exposure. Yeah, it's like, no, it doesn't, doesn't yeah. work. Yeah. So if the guys are eating the real food, mm-hmm. the whole food, mm-hmm. do calories count? Do they matter? If they're working out, not really per se. And so when we're talking with clients, it's like, I don't calorie count with clients. I do macro counting mostly. And so we have them do the proteins, carbs, and fats with an app like MyFitnessPal. I like that one. It's really simple. Love that one. Free, which is always good. And you can really start, I have them track their food so we can really see how they're breaking it down. Most of the time they're getting too many carbs in, not enough protein, sometimes too high of fat too. And so we try to balance it back out. Once we see what they're doing, then we can tweak it and go with, we usually go kind of go with a, what's called like a paleo zone style. So it's like a 40, 30, 30 carb protein fat, track them for a while. How do they feel on that? And then we start modifying based on what they're doing for workouts and everything else in there. For the most part, we're over-carbed even in those scenarios, and so we even back them down even further. You know, We usually try to say for protein, you want to get a gram per pound is what I say, a gram protein per pound for your body weight, and carbs about 0.75, and then fats about the same in that process through there. It just varies from there how you can balance it out. So if there's a guy that's working out, and obviously working out can vary guy to guy. Mm-hmm. I got <laughs> um, up and went to the fridge, that's working out. <laughs> I walked to the bathroom. That was my cardio. How would you change those ratios? Would you up the protein? Like, what, How would that change a little bit? If they're looking to add mass, I would add protein up for sure and carbs a little, just carbs a little bit. If they're doing more aerobic-based type things, endurance-type training, we really got to bump the carbs up for them specifically. And then that's when I add more of the simple carbs, the rices, uh, the sweet potatoes, the yams, also the regular potatoes within there. Trying to be careful with the bread still, uh, particularly with endurance athletes, because they can get what we call iron gut, which is they have major dysbiosis that occur because of the shunting of the blood away from the GI tract for those extended periods of time. And I, wow. treat a lot, I see a lot of Ironman athletes. I've been an Ironman athlete myself. 
Really? Yeah. Yeah. Even though I'm a big guy, I've done Ironman. So I've seen it with my athletes that I've worked with through the years that, yeah, they end up with iron gut just because of the shunting. And then they're getting simple sugars in and the goos and gels and everything else. And they just create dysbiosis and a SIBO sense, you know, scenario in their GI tract from that. Yeah. I'm curious, just on a personal note, mm-hmm. how has your health been doing Ironman, Ironmans versus more weight training, which I think is what you do now? Right. I mean, roughly about the same, really, because I really did all my labs during Ironman, done my labs during my CrossFit training and everything else to make sure I'm balancing myself out hormonally, along with any other issues I can have with like an organic acids test to look at mitochondrial function, brain function, liver and kidney cleaning, and then uh, inflammation generally in the body. So health-wise for myself, I took care of myself during that whole time majority of the clients that I see in the endurance athlete world fall apart towards that last ramp up during Ironman and get sick during Ironman race themselves and then they fall apart mentally. For myself is I really watched myself carefully and didn't overtrain, whereas a lot of athletes I see are overtraining and we have to back off their training in that sense. So, you know, again, scenarios there is, you know, Ironman, we're going to deplete the immune system significantly in that process. So we're going to support that along with good rest and CrossFit similar scenario, but we're dealing more with muscle and joint type issues that come up with that type of strength training. But you're a great example where if you do it right, you supplement, eat mm-hmm. real food, you can not feel depleted, not weaken your immune system, not push yourself into adrenal fatigue. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You don't put yourself into that. Interesting. Glad you bring up adrenal fatigue. In the research itself, adrenal fatigue and adrenal insufficiency, those words don't exist. And so medicine will be like, well, you don't have adrenal fatigue or adrenal insufficiency because that doesn't exist in the literature. Incorrect. It actually, which we're talking about athletes, it circles back. It's overtraining. It's the same exact physiological response that occurs in athletes with overtraining happens in the body. It's overstressed and it's overstressed in the average person. It's the same exact physiological response. And so when I'm working or I'm educating doctors, physicians, medical physicians in particular about adrenal issues is we circle back because they're like, well, that doesn't exist. I'm like, nope, it's the same thing that happens in athletes. It's the same physiological response that happens in people. So we use that research to back up a easy term to describe adrenal insufficiency or adrenal fatigue because we can't really say you're overtraining to a person who's sitting on the couch and stressed out <laughs> under training, but you're overly stressed there. And right. so, so we can, we adapt those two worlds together and it's the same exact physiological response there. Interesting. So what's number two? So number one, eat real foods. Yeah. Two, number two, you got to supplements. You got to take supplements. And there's really some key supplements for guys that I recommend. A really good multivitamin is, is excellent for you to take. Vitamin D uh, effectively is amazing at eight to 10,000 IU per day, particularly, you know, wintertime, flu season, those type things is you can dose up to 15 to 20,000 IU a day. And it's a great immune booster and protector against viruses, particularly influenza. Omega-3 fatty acids are immensely important to help keep your cells soft and supple through your body if you're not getting enough fish in in the diet itself. Curcumin is a great anti-inflammatory. That's another one to take. And curcumin itself, not only does it help decrease inflammation, it helps repair muscle tissue faster for recovery, and it helps regulate glucose really well for people too. And then CoQ10 is another phenomenal one to take for heart health and cardiovascular health during that process of training. We do recommend about 300 milligrams per day for CoQ10. It used to be about 100, but now it's pretty much across the board, 300 milligrams per day is what you need of CoQ10 with with there. For guys itself, kind of the final one we look at is estrogen blockers and testosterone boosters. Now, in the world of supplementation itself, any of the herbal ones, the tribalis, the horny goat weed, there's several other ones out there, those will not get your 
testosterone levels above a super physiological dose. So it'll bring it into a normal range, but it will not typically get you to a higher normal or above high normal range or out of range high levels with those herbal ones. So that's a big misconception. People taking a lot of those expecting their testosterone to go through the roof. They get ripped and they see, you know, they see the ads. They're like, if I take this testosterone booster, I'm going to get ripped and like that. No, those guys are probably on steroids, number one. And (laughs) we're not going to bump those testosterone levels up like that. So we look at those and say, we can bump it up a little bit with it, but it's not going to get it to a mid to high range physiological dosage within there. Estrogen blockers. What I'm seeing in guys right now on their lab work, particularly when I'm using the Dutch test, that's one of the ones that I use a ton of. I mean, we've been using it for, I think, five years now. We've probably run several thousand of these tests because it's just so valuable. And I see it in men and women. But in men in particular, we're seeing from teenagers on up into 70s, 80s levels, we're checking hormone levels, we're seeing low testosterone levels and high estrogen levels immensely. And we're seeing the testosterone go from the 5 alpha form to the 5 beta, which is less androgenic in men too. Women want the 5 beta, men want the 5 alpha for testosterone. But we're seeing it be in that 5 beta form in men. So we're seeing this essentially high estrogen levels, low masculating levels of testosterone. So we see the issues. We see we see body fat gain. We see the, the waist gain in fat. We see you know the movies start to develop in men. You know the breast the tissue. Movies. What are the movies? Man boobs. So oh, okay. Movies. M movies. Movies. <laughs> we see that develop there in men. Endocrine disruptors, and from what we're seeing in today's environment too. And I see it across the board. I see it in teenage boys. Uh, even up towards like to my son at nine years old, we tested him and saw the same thing. So we had to put an estrogen blocker in him too. And that's from environment, uh, changing how the body functions with, uh, with hormones itself and endocrine disruptors causing the same pattern in men. So For people who don't know what endocrine disruptors are, mm-hmm. can you give a little? Yeah. Endocrine disruptors are chemicals in the environment that disrupt your hormones in your body itself. So typically plastics is a huge one that has a lot of estrogen in it. So you can store food in plastic as long as it's cold. That's okay. You don't want to heat food in plastic nor put hot food in plastic to store it. Food cool, then put it in plastic, then store it. When you take it out, then you want to heat it up in a glass dish or on a glass plate or or ceramic plate there. When you heat plastic, you actually release estrogens from that plastic into the food and surrounding area. So we don't want to use plastics typically for most of that stuff or cooking because you're releasing endocrine disruptors, things that mess with the hormones, testosterone, estrogen, progesterone, DHEA, and along with thyroid hormone too, you mess with those and you mess up the cavalcade of hormones of balance in the body itself. Interesting. Are there any sort of brands that you like for supplements? Because I know certain brands have fillers, they're not so great, some are better quality. Yeah, physician lines are the best best route to go. A majority of over-the-counter ones that you buy in stores are poor quality. Um, I really use Designs for Health a ton. That's a major supplier that we've used for 13 years now, since we really started doing a lot of the dietary supplementation and, and working on functional medicine. Their supplements are top grade. They test everything, which is amazing. And so if you get a supplement and for a practitioner itself or for a person, ask how it's tested. Do they test for molds? Do they test for contaminants? Do they test for the quality of the product to make sure everything is in there is in there? And do they test for other contaminants that could be causing a problem in your body too? So Designs for Health is one of those ones. There's several other ones out there. Vital Nutrients is a good one too. Pure Encapsulations right now is okay. They got bought out along with uh, Garden of Life and some other ones recently by a large corporation. And so we got a few years that we hopefully will they'll keep going with the same constituents of the products and not change their constituents in the products itself. 
So what about the tribe of people or the camp of people that believe all your nutrients should come from your food and don't believe in supplementation? Mm-hmm. Like I can boost my testosterone eating Brazil nuts. Like what, what is your thought about that? Not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll gladly go there. You know, you can help. Again, food's going to help because you're giving the nutrients to drive the process in the body, which is what you need. Our body runs on vitamins and minerals. That's those precursors in chemistry, A plus B equals AB. That plus sign is all those phytonutrients, all those vitamins and minerals to drive that combination or separation of those chemical products. Unfortunately, is if you have poor digestion, you have leaky gut, you have any issues with mitochondrial function or anything else, you're not getting your vitamins in, you're not getting your fats in to drive that process. So you can eat all the good foods you want. It's not going to happen. I like it. Straightforward. Honest. No BS. Um, what's number three? So real food, supplements. Mm-hmm. Ex- exercise. Exercise is key. Yeah. I mean, real, real simple. 20 minutes a day minimum. High intensity interval training is great. The aerobic ramping up or down is great for that. Weights and strength training. Research is currently showing. I mean, and we've known for years too. It used to be kind of like in the 80s, 70s, 80s, and 90s was like all aerobics. Like you have to be aerobically fit. Well, James O'Keefe, the wonderful cardiologist, noticed that his buddies, who are all these amazing endurance athletes, are dying in their 40s and 50s from cardiac failure. So he's like, what the heck is going on? And he discovered a thing called, and he coined it chronic cardio. So that use of chronic cardio, doing cardio too much actually damages the heart. And it makes the body thinner, but it doesn't allow longevity of health. And the current research, which we've known for years, and it's actually back from the 50s and 40s and even before that is muscle mass. Muscle mass is so essential for long-term health and for longevity. And we see that that frailty that occurs in the older population as they get older because they lose muscle mass. They have to do the rock to get out of the chair. You know, <laughs> got to do my three, four rocks to get out of the chair because <laughs> they don't have the leg strength to get up or they're trying to use their arms to get up. And so they lose that muscle mass and that awareness of body movement, which is really essential for longevity and health long-term in the body. Do you think people should be doing cardio days as part of their programming? Depends on what their goals are. If they're looking not only for strength, but looking for they're doing road races, either cycling or running, they're doing swimming events, they need to incorporate cardio in there somewhere specific to their event within there. But they still need to have strength training within there. And that's shown across the board in research that the more an endurance athlete running, cycling, anything else adds strength training, the stronger they are and the better, more fit they are. What about if they're not doing road races? They're just like the guy that wants to be optimized. A little bit of aerobic capacity within training, you know, high intensity interval training is perfect. 20 minutes, you don't need to be doing an hour, two hours or anything like that on, on a trainer, a cycle trainer or, or a treadmill or anything like that. Do you think strength is negotiable? Like, do you think doing strength work, like I could, I couldn't, I'd be okay? It's mandatory, whether it's body weight strength or it's actually lifting weights and looking to throw some iron around the gym. Body weight is perfectly fine as long as you're doing good full body movements, full squats, push-ups, burpee type scenario, pull-ups, those type scenario things. Doing that type of work, perfectly fine for, for body weight. Yeah, awesome. What's number four? Four, uh, this is a good one. This is going to be controversial for the audience. And if you don't like controversy, turn it off right now. <laughs> Earmuffs for the kids. <laughs> Earmuffs for the kids. Yeah, this is where you put the kids to bed on this one. But you got, you know, guys, you know, you hear about ladies when they have kids, they get a little loose pelvic floor and they're doing jump rope, they're peeing, you know, you lose that control there a little bit. Guys, we can develop the same thing. And so we have to strengthen our pelvic floor muscles. And if you really want to improve your sex life, 
build a stronger erection, decrease uh, erectile dysfunction within there, and or even have a sex life for some guys, you know, because as we get older, sometimes things start aiming down. Kegel exercises, those strengthening those, those pelvic floor muscles are excellent for men and for women in strengthening the muscles in the pelvic floor along with the penis itself, guys, to, to make it stronger, to make it healthier, to make it more erect and full of blood. This has been shown in the research. You can actually decrease erectile dysfunction by 40% within 90 days by doing pelvic floor or Kegel exercises. Wow. So not necessarily going to medication first. Right. I always tell guys, if you look down and you can't see stuff, (laughs) there's your first problem. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. In terms of Kegel exercises and orgasmine, is there like a target we should be hitting? Guys should be hitting a month without driving their women crazy. Right, right. Well, we'll get to that one there. So this is an interesting study. I bring this up because American Urological Association reported this 18-year study a few years ago, and I was I've been trying to find the exact study, but it's, it's been quoted everywhere, and I'm a hard, I've been having a hard time finding the study actually. So I'm still trying to find it to verify the accuracy of it because I bet you that probably 99.999% of the urologists who wrote this study up and did this study were men. And the 0.0001% was a lady who was like, we need to put a lady on here, let's put her on here. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And so the 18 year study showed that men who ejaculated 21 or more times a month experienced a 20% reduction in prostate cancer. That's I, I don't know so if I have you, poor standards, but <laughs> right. if you do the math on that, essentially it's every day a woman is not on her cycle. Got it. <laughs> so I don't know any ladies offhand that I know or can know who are interested in that much. Most guys are probably interested in that much. So they didn't say, and here's the controversy, they didn't say how that ejaculation occurred. Ah, uh, 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 I think that's a key. That's a key point. That's a key point within <laughs> there. They didn't mention none of the reports had mentioned how that occurred. So whether it's with your partner or spouse, or it's by your lonesome within there, twenty-one times a month seems to be that magic number that reduced the prostate risk within there. Also, orgasm itself too. Not only is beneficial in keeping the prostate clean because it helps to flush out any fluids or toxins within there. It actually releases oxytocin and increases DHEA levels, which actually helps your brain function better and your body function better hormonally. On the topic of prostate, I heard this like mind-blowing statistic that mm-hmm. like 90% of men at some point will suffer from BPH, benign prostatic hyperplate, like a enlarged mm-hmm. prostate, Yep, which yeah. <laughs> is... I, I was like, is that statistic right? Was that study skewed? No, I mean, truly it is. And particularly, it's it's going to happen as we age. And and part of that is it may be a little bit of this from the American Neurological Association. It may be part of that is as we age, intercourse and sex happens less and less and less. And so it could be because of that lack of flushing the fluids out of the prostate and the seminal vesicles through there that we start getting that hypertrophy within that tissue there along with hormone disruptors and everything else that can be contributing that hypertrophy. But it is as we age, prostate hypertrophy growth of that prostate is going to occur. And there are even some research, and this is from Gio, Dr. Gio in New York there too, that he said on my show and many shows too, that when you're in your 80s, you probably have prostate cancer already, and it's probably not going to be the thing that kills you. So you know, it's that thing of like, you know, the prostate's going to grow, and is, is it cancerous? Is it not? Is it what's going to cause your death? Or is it just a factor that's there? I'm going to tell you a funny story. Mm-hmm. So I was trained in Oregon. And in Oregon, because Me there are too. some 
Yeah. Woo. Some parts are so rural that you become the primary care, right? So mm-hmm. you can, in school, you do training in gynecological mm-hmm. exams and prostate exams and prostate massages. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then when you got out of school, you do extra hours to, if you're going to stay in Oregon. Right. And in outpatient clinic, in my group, there was a guy that would come in to get his prostate massaged. And mm-hmm. The intern would get chosen. All the women would measure their fingers, and whoever had the longest finger was the one to yeah. massage. Yeah. And the, the that reverse was, luck of the draw straw. <laughs> yeah, and um, that was me for twelve weeks. Oh, look at you! <laughs> look at you. Uh, so I can, I can, I have a newfound <laughs> appreciation. appreciation for this orgasm frequency. Yep. <laughs> cool. So what's number five? Five, you know, hydrotherapy is such an amazing tool. It's an old naturopathic technique of, fl- of using hot and cold to help body flush and lymphatic system immune function. You know, your wife's and spouse's girlfriends, even some might be your partner might say, hey, it's time for you to take a cold shower. They're right. Take a cold shower. That morning after your nice hot shower, a quick burst of cold water on you for 10 to 15 seconds, just whipping that sucker over to the cold, that really activates that sympathetic nervous system, that epinephrine, that drive within the system, releases the adrenaline, wakes up the brain and the body, it stimulates the immune function, and it really creates what I always like to say, that Ric Flair effect, that woo, to really get you energized for the day. If you haven't done it yet, do it. Just do it for five seconds at first. Just you get done with your shower, you know, I love hot showers, just crank that sucker up, you're bright red, and then you're sitting there and just whip that sucker over to the t- to the cold, give it that quick burst, and then you're ready to go for the day. Do you work up to a certain amount of time? Like, do you have like a minute to two minutes of cold now, or you're just like 15 seconds is the sweet spot? 15 to 30 is perfectly fine at that point. Yeah. Nice. Any awesome. longer, any longer, it becomes the as I always say, it's that masculinity test. You know, <laughs> like I can handle this. I'm like, hey, I've done, I do polar bear plunge and have done it in the past. You know, in zero degree weather and you know 30 below, you know, less than 30 degree water. So that 50 degree water for a minute will be due. You know, I have some friends that have done that for mm-hmm. 10 years and mm-hmm. have literally have said they have not gotten sick for 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. It's wild. What's the next one? Number six. Number six really, you know, hey guys, this is a podcast. So listen to it, of course. <laughs> Visual too, video, watch the pod, you know, but get off the TV, get off, get off the computers, get back to reading, get that book in front of you and read it. It's so essential. We're inundated with blue light all day long from computers, from overhead light and everything else that messes in with our, our hormones and our endocrine system through there. So get off that stuff, get back onto paper reading in front of you, let your eyes adjust with that. If you're going to be on computers all day long, get some blue blockers. Those are going to help. I like Baxter Blues out of Australia. They're stylish. They're not the typical yellow lenses that look like you got them at the gas station. Yeah. Uh, you know, so I always say it's like, I like the colored lens. There's, there's some American companies too are coming out with some really good frames and everything. Find one that works for you. Like I said, I personally like Baxter Blues because they have really good, really good frames and lenses that are stylish. So I recommend those. And just read, man, anything and everything from self-help to motivation to fiction, nonfiction, biographies, health. Read, read, read. Those are really important to do. We don't do it enough. We're so misinformed by the information that's out there that's on our phones and exposed to every day. Get back to reading stuff so we can have an informed opinion about things versus a forced opinion about things. Do you have any recommendations? If you're like, if you were going to pick up one thing to read, it would be this. Oh, there's too many books. I mean, (laughs) health-wise, there's so many great books that are coming out right now. Alan Christensen's book, Jolene Brighton's book. Guys, Jolene Brighton's book, it's meant for women and hormones and birth control. 
read it. Like, guys, we need to understand our wives, our daughters, our aunts, our moms, our sisters. We need to understand women's hormones and better support them. Get the books to read them. There's, there's no reason why we shouldn't understand that stuff um, to help our ladies out in the process through there. So those are some really great books coming out. If you like marketing, Seth Godin's book's really good. There's so what are many- you reading? What am I reading right now? I just finished, I think it's called Badass, How to Be Badass. I'm getting ready to start. I have, on my nightstand, I have about a stack, like about a foot deep of books I need to get. <laughs> I love it. And it's just, you know, it's time is the issue. I do a lot of audio books too. If you want a fun book to listen to that that's fun, I love it. It's called Shit My Dad Says. I've listened to it probably 40, <laughs> 50 times. It's a great book. The audio book is hilarious because um, the, the storyteller in it does voices. And it's really about this guy and his dad. And his dad just has all these amazing quips on life. And it's freaking hilarious. I love that. If I'm feeling down, I just listen to that and it gets me pumped up. That's awesome. I'm guessing that there could potentially be a direct correlation of turning off the TV and increasing your orgasm frequency, potentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Paying attention to your spouse and listening. Listen to not fix, listen to listen. That's what, guys, we need to do. That's from uh, Joan's work, Dr. Joan uh, Rosenberg, her stuff. I've had her on my show a bunch. And she is phenomenal in getting guys to listen to our partners. As guys in general, we tend to want to fix everything. That's what we do. We're fixers. And so when we hear a problem from our, our girlfriends, our wives, our spouses, our immediate response is fix it. And women don't want that. They want you to hear it. They want you to listen to it. And they want you to respond and how you can support them through the process and what they think they should do. And just support that process. We probably know how to fix it. We just got to shut up. (laughs) 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 Yeah. I think sometimes when women, when they get the response of this is how we fix it, Mm -hmm. they feel like maybe there's something wrong with them or... Yeah. Yeah. They don't feel heard. You don't feel heard in that scenario. Yeah. And you've, and, and that's one thing, guys, we listen to fix versus listening to hear. Yeah. I love that one. Mm-hmm. That's like six A plus. What's number seven? <laughs> seven, the final one, schedule your day to be more efficient and make sure you include family time. We are so busy in today's society. We don't take enough time to spend with the family. As soon as we get home, the TV goes on, the phones come out. And I see it with my kids too, is we literally like, give me your phone you're off of it. Like we're going to spend time together, play a game. We're going to sit and talk. We're going to goof around. We're going to wrestle with the boys. We're going to do stuff, spending time with your family again and getting away from the computers and TVs. There's nothing on there. You're not going to see that wasn't five minutes ago. I mean, literally everything that's on was already happened five minutes ago. So who cares? Let's go ahead. Let's let's plan the future with our kids and our spouses and our girlfriends and our wives. And let's plan ahead to what we want to do and have fun in there and plan out the day. Plan out the next day, get it laid out. You know, in that next morning as you're getting up, don't start with your phone right away. Do a gratitude journal. Be thankful for what you had the next day. Be thankful for what you have today. Plan out what you're going to do for that day. You'll become more efficient in that process. And research shows if you do a little bit of gratitude, being thankful for what you have and what you want and have gotten so far, you will actually increase your productiveness that day by 30%. Wow. That's amazing. Just by being thankful that I got a house over my head. I got a car. I got my bills paid. I got a great spouse. I got great kids rocking and rolling. You'll be more productive in that process throughout the day just by being grateful for that. Yeah. So how do you recommend someone who's starting this? Cause like seven can potentially feel overwhelming, right? right. If they're just like pounding the Oreos and sitting on the couch, <laughs> how, how do you get someone to jumpstart this and then track it? Yeah. 
got to start number one. You got to change your eating plan. You got to eat real food, get away from the garbage, garbage in, garbage out. We are what we eat. It's the old, the old acronym there, the old saying, but we are what we eat. We eat fuel. What we eat for fuel is going to fuel us. Do you eat to fuel a Yugo or do you eat to fuel a Ferrari? <laughs> that, that's like a no brainer. Come on. I know. I know. So many people go, I never thought of it that way. Yeah. If you put, you know, crap fuel in, you're going to run like a few, you know, you go. You know, if you put amazing fuel in, you're going to run like a Ferrari high tuned instrument through there. So eat real food, get away from the factory food, develop a simple, you know, get some simple supplements in to help you in the process. Start with a good multi, some vitamin D, start with that, then exercise. Those three things are really key things to get you going. Because if you don't do those, which helps with your planning of the day, the sex life isn't going to happen. The pelvic floor exercises aren't going to happen. The hydrotherapy is not going to happen. The reading's not going to happen. So plan your day, eat your food, take your supplements, and then exercise. It's not like Hulk Hogan from the 80s almost. <laughs> I love that you focus on those three because I know when I feel off or I'm grumpy and I'm like, what, what is going on? I go back to those things. I go, how's my eating? Have I taken my supplements? How's my exercise? And then how's my sleep, basically? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Amazing. I yeah. love it. I love creating this baseline because it makes it so clear and so accessible mm-hmm. just because there's so much information out there. It can be so confusing. There's so much biohacking and everything else that goes yes. on. Like literally if you fought, I mean, and they all, they all mean well, they're all trying to sell a product there too, but literally you could spend your 24 hours biohacking yourself and really be no different than you started the day. Thank you for saying that. I can't tell you how many people are like, what do you think about this biohack and this biohack? And I'm like, yeah. What did you eat for breakfast? Yeah. 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 Oh, was I supposed to eat breakfast there? Yeah. 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 Jerry, where can people find you in person and then not yeah, in person? In person. Where can they find me in person? Right here. Now, in person, I have a clinic in Idaho and in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho and Spokane, Washington. So I have two clinics there. We also do online consults. If people want to do that. Um, telemedicine, essentially. So that's where you can see me there. You can find me online on Facebook on The Guy Show Live. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter at The Guy Show Live also through there. That's my guy show. You can find Clinically Wise at lakesidealistic.com. You can hit those ones. Theguyshow.com is also my other one too, guyshowlive.com. So you can hit those. And those are all the ones that you can really hit me and find me at to find out what we're doing day to day. Awesome. And I love that the guy show is released seasonally. So you can totally binge listen, just like Mm -hmm. an amazing Netflix series. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. I love these tips. Our viewers are going to be gobbling them up. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you for having me on. It's been a blast. That's a wrap. I have two truths that I fully believe in. First, to be 1% better every single day. And second, all feedback is good feedback because it helps us grow. Why do I say this? If you're enjoying these conversations and you find this is adding value, send us some love by subscribing to Muscle Medicine Podcast on iTunes. And if you want to share your voice with the world and scream it from the rooftops and tell your friends, or you can just give us a little feedback so we can grow by rating and reviewing Muscle Medicine on iTunes. Thank you guys. So much gratitude. Dr. Emily Kybert here.